This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. You're listening to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. My name is Walt, his name is Chase, and every week we've got one goal, to inspire you to get out and chase the outdoors. Chasing Tales, right? It's that simple. T-A-L-E-S. We are all about the adventure. We're all about pursuing the outdoors, whether that's something you're used to, whether it's a new pursuit like turkey season and you haven't taken it up. Our goal is to just motivate you, inspire you, and equip you with stories, tips, tricks, all kinds of different things that you need to get out there and chase after it. <clears throat> that said, welcome back to another episode. I am joined by my turkey slaying co-host, Chase. Dude, you were on the board way earlier than you were last year. Congratulations, sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was, uh, it was kind of a relief to get one knocked down, to be honest. Um, I, before that, I really hadn't, didn't have much time in the woods before I got a bird down. Uh, however, I have spent... A good bit of time after killing that bird in the woods <laughs> and uh i just haven't moved. well let me rephrase that i have been trying to film some as more than being on the gun in between that time and then the time that you and i had this past weekend out pursuing some birds so it's been a mixed bag for me this year it's been a little bit of i didn't get out as much early part uh middle part i was able to kind of get it done and I also was went out several times uh, hoping to uh, film somebody else kill a bird. So it's been a good season. I can't complain, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, ain't nobody listening, even if you did complain. <laughs> yeah, somebody is. <laughs> that's right. Well, I guess everybody on the podcast would be. <laughs> oh, man. No, it, it, it's kind of funny. Your, your turkey season's kind of took off on a direction that your deer season did where you get, didn't get to hunt early on, but then you made up for it later on. Admittedly, you got on turkeys a lot quick, more quickly than you did uh, deer. Um, well, and kills. the good news is actual 
bringing the That's deer true. home. <laughs> That's true. Yep. Because you did you did uh, uh, get that really awesome footage of that big eight point. Yeah. Right? Was he eight? Uh, yeah, that was during uh, muzzleloader. Yeah, big wide, tall eight point. That gun yeah. didn't go off. So, <laughs> but we don't need to relive that. <laughs> no, we're not going back down that path. We've buried that one. But uh, guys, thank you for tuning in. Uh, today's going to be a little bit of turkey talk. Chase and I are going to kind of break down uh, two of our hunts. One of which you've seen. If you're a, a subscriber to our YouTube channel, you got to see my hunt. If not, you should definitely go over there and subscribe. It's it's a fun uh, video. Uh, you ha you didn't get to see or hear anything about chases yet, and I haven't really unpacked what happened in mine. So that's what we're going to do today. Today's going to be a little bit shorter episode. Um, but before we get to that, we got to thank the people who make this show possible. And first and foremost, we have got to announce the winner of the Patreon quarter one giveaway. Just to recall for you guys, this was a Grand Slam uh, turkey vest by Alps Outdoors and Bottomland, a custom red Pennsylvania slate uh, pot call, and five mouth calls, both of which were from uh, Longbeard Life. Chase, you got to pick the winner out of a hat this weekend. Why don't you tell everybody who that was? Yeah, uh, the winner of the Patreon giveaway for this last quarter is Ron Wiggins. How about it? How about now, it? The, the irony here is that Ron is a brand new turkey hunter who has already pulled the trigger once this year. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty funny. <laughs> that, uh, but he actually, the the great part is, is I think he needs a lot of this stuff. So actually, it'll uh, pretty much work itself out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and the the his wife has been talking about how uh, he's been running around the, the, the house of turkey calls, driving her nuts. So now he's got a vest. Now he's got a brand-new pot call, some nice mouth calls. Uh, dude, dude, thank you, Ron, for supporting us. Um, thank you for everything that you do. I mean, and, and honestly, thank you for everybody, the, the listeners to the Patreon supporters. We do it for you guys. We, we, we love the feedback. We love hearing from you guys, and it, it's what pushes us to, to do these late at night, to walk 12 miles and three inches of rain. We're not going to go down that path yet, but that was – a recent adventure that Chase and I went uh, went through, but uh, yeah, I mean, we do it for you guys, and the feedback that you get, the interaction from from you guys, is is vital to to what we do, and and I really don't know how we would do it without you guys. Yep, yep, uh, love the patrons, uh, and I'm looking forward to doing the next quarter giveaway. That's right, that's right, and we're gonna announce that. You want to announce that now? Uh, let's let's announce it on the next one, next episode. Yeah, okay. We'll announce what the next giveaway is going to be. We still got a couple little moving pieces there. We're always trying to like sneak little goodies in there, little extras for you guys, uh, to, just to make you know, just to say thanks a little bit more. But uh, you know, the, the guys over at Scree help us out as well. If you don't know about Scree and you're looking forward to some, looking for, I should say, some really great performance wear that won't stink despite days of use, check out their lightweight stuff over there. Chasing Tails 15 will get you 15% off any regular purchased item. They've got turkey bundles on sale right now as well. So go check them out. That stuff is amazing. Chase and I put 12, 10 to 12, somewhere in that range. We'll just call it 10 miles in the rain all day, running and gunning for a weekend. And my boots stank, but my socks and my shirt and everything else, they didn't smell at all. And Chase, I kind of think you, you kind of mentioned that as well. Yeah, the, the Scree gear was great. Uh, the only piece that I wish I had this weekend was the Scree rain gear, <laughs> which I need to get uh, pretty soon. Uh, I was, But I'm still really impressed by, I mean, even the, the Moreno shirts and everything, they, they just dry so quickly. Like when we would be out getting rained on, you get back in the, the truck, you're riding around maybe to go to the next spot or looking for birds, and you really didn't feel – 
that like your shirt felt maybe just a slight bit damp, but it wasn't like weighing you down like a normal uh, cotton t-shirt or something like that would be. And it, like I mentioned, it dried super fast and it's all super comfortable anyways. So uh, I love the scree stuff. Oh, it, it's outstanding stuff. And if you're getting ready for deer season, if you're doing a bunch of scouting for deer season, we've got a podcast coming down the pipe for you guys with William Thompson, Bill Thompson of Spartan Forge. He's got some new features coming out that you guys are going to really enjoy. If you don't know what Spartan Forge is, it's an AI predictive software that helps you make the best decisions based off of real GPS, GPAs, GPS data in your area uh, that helps predict not necessarily what one deer is going to do, but as a trend, this is what the deer are going to do. If you want to save a little money, use the promo code Chasing Tails, and for nineteen dollars, you can get locked in for life at that price, so long as you renew every year with Spartan Forge. And he said, at some point in time, once they roll out all the features that they that they plan to, it's going to be a seventy dollar a year package, which is still remarkably cheap. However, why pay fifty dollars more than you have to? Use the promo code Chasing Tails, save yourself a little bit of coin. And last, but certainly not least, Tethered Chase, you and I have a teaching train coming up May 1st. Yeah, we do. Uh, It's actually slipping up on us. I didn't realize how close May 1st was uh, until I started talking uh, to you the other day about it. And I was like, uh, remind me again when that is? And you're like, May 1st. And I'm like, oh, geez, that's, that's just around the corner. And we had such a great time at the Tethered Teaching Train event last time. Uh, We met a bunch of uh, good folks. Uh, heck, uh, Brett, uh, one of our Patreon members, uh, we met him there. He didn't even know about the podcast, I don't think, or anything at that point. And now he's like a real big contributing member uh, to our Patreon Marco Polo group. And uh, he's constantly showing us uh, the big deer he's after, turkey he's after. So uh, it, it was a great event. And I look forward to uh, making it even bigger and better this year. Yeah, no, and And if you don't know what the teaching train event is, for all of our South Alabama, South Georgia, North Florida people, uh, the, the Teach and Train event is a free event, entirely free. There's no charge for this. And Tethered's going to ship all of their saddle gear, everything that you would ever want to try. We're going to have a, an archery target set up that you can shoot from at a low height. We're not going to let you climb the whole tree. But you can, you can shoot at the archery target. We're giving away a bunch of goodies. We're going to do some demonstrations with our climbing systems, all kinds of fun stuff. And we're going to be recording a podcast. Uh, at the event. In fact, Chase, I didn't tell you this yet, but it just it turns out that the Hunt Fish Florida guys are going to come up, rent a hotel room, attend. They're going to bring their podcasting equipment because they, they want to uh, record with us as well. So uh, we're going to have a couple different Zooms set up. We're going to be doing a big podcast at the end like we did last time. And uh, we, we would love to, to for anybody who listens to the podcast, who's in that area, who wants to get a free lunch, try, a chance to win some goodies and hang out with us, we'd love to meet you guys. I said this before, and I truly mean it. We do this for you guys. We love the interaction. We love putting faces to the name, to the face to comments and, and, and support that we get. And, uh, you know, who knows? We might have some Chasing Tales goodies there, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, that event and uh, and meeting all of the new people and hopefully getting some more people into saddle hunting and maybe even convincing them to buy a tethered saddle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As long as they're in the saddle, that's what matters in the end, dude. It's, it's a, it's a great way to hunt whitetails. We've had a lot of fun doing it. Um, so check it out, go to Facebook. There's a teach and train event on the tethered website. I just posted a link, uh, to our Facebook page. You can find it in a variety of different places. Just search or Google teach and train tethered and it will pop up. You can RSVP so that we know to buy you, uh, some food for lunch. So, uh, with that chase, dude, 
Um, I, I am amped with your story more so than mine. I think you've got a way cooler story than I am, uh, than I have. So why don't, let's kind of set the stage here. You're hunting private land. I, I, when you killed your turkey, right? Yes, I, I did end up killing this one on private. Okay. Okay. And if memory serves, you have got this, this history of managing to find birds who are on the neighbor's property and somehow you find the willpower never to pull the trigger. And I commend you for that, but that didn't pan out the same way this time. No, no. Uh, this season, uh, I went out a lot before the season got started, uh, just to listen, uh, for gobbles, maybe try to locate uh, a few gobblers, uh, had a lot of success. I mean, they were gobbling good, uh, from two weeks to, I mean, pretty much the day before the season, uh, they, they were gobbling great. I ended up catching some overtime at work, uh, for opening day, uh, which, uh, I mean, I'm pretty much never going to turn that down. It pays too good, <laughs> but I honestly think I probably would have had a bird down on opening day. Uh, I had a couple that were, I mean, I really had dialed in, and but it, that just wasn't the case for me. Uh, I ended up – I didn't even end up getting out until I think it was maybe the third day of the season. I, I missed the whole uh, first weekend because I had to work my regular shift uh, the very next day. Or actually, yeah, and then I was off, so it, it may have been that, that first Tuesday of the season. Uh, went out. Uh, there were uh, – I know a bird that had already been killed – uh, off of that uh, private area, and then uh, I went out that first Tuesday, did some listening, and uh, some where I had located some birds, there wasn't any gobbling, uh, but there was gobbling in another area uh, that I could hear, so I, I worked that way, um, which of course was in the old infamous uh, fence line <laughs> area, like it always <laughs> is, <laughs> like it like it always is. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see the bird. Um, he did gobble a couple of more times uh, while I was en route to that area. I went out in glass, couldn't find him, but I knew there was an area where uh, the birds might cross through the fence on this one side. So I went and set up over there. And when I got in there, I happened to see uh, some birds uh, out feeding in the field. Uh, one, uh, I, I thought I saw a strutter, uh, but he was a little bit further out. So I decided I was just going to set up camp there, maybe do some light calling uh, just to see uh, what could happen. And uh, as soon as I called, uh, here comes this group of four jakes. Uh, there, I didn't see the four jakes um, until I made the call, and then I saw one of them pick his head up, and then here comes this Congo line of jakes straight towards me. <laughs> so I had this group of jakes come in about 25 yards, uh, watch them. Uh, I mean, I quit calling at that point. <laughs> And uh, they, they were really young jakes. I mean, they probably all had those, like, two, two three-inch stubby beards uh, that, that you see a lot. Um, and they were poking and prodding around, trying to figure out what was making that noise. Uh, I let them go on, and I was hoping, I was like, well, maybe the those birds will continue just to kind of feed right out there, and maybe the hens will move on some, and that gobbler will be uh, looking for uh, some love maybe mid-morning. Well, I got up. Uh, after the Jakes had left, I got up just to kind of look out into the field, and I probably took about five or six steps and ended up bumping this herd of deer that had to be bedded within, like, 50 yards from where I was sitting at. And, of course, they all ran in the direction where <laughs> uh, the turkeys were, and that just wrapped up that uh, <laughs> that hunt. Uh, I didn't see a turkey at all once I finally uh, <laughs> made it to the to the 
field line uh, that morning. Uh, went out a few more times. I've been hunting a mix of my private area, uh, just because they've they've done a ton of cutting this past season. There's a bunch of clear cuts, and the birds are just not over there. Uh, there's also some workers in there doing pine straw, and that's bump birds from a, a traditional spot on the private. And I, I really wanted to get after a public land bird this year too, so I've kind of been just switching back and forth. And I've been hunting with a good buddy of mine over there. And the goal over there has kind of been maybe to catch something on film. I've been filming for him. Uh, and we've been on a bird that's just been giving us fits <laughs> in this swamp bottom. Uh, he loves to gobble. Uh, it's just, I, I think it's just a matter of, of he's, he's, is still, he's been hinned up a little bit. And the hens, his hens always just go straight to his tree and let them know that, hey, I'm right here. And he flies down to those hens, and then they end up going off. They always end up to seem to be on the opposite ridge uh, that we're on that day. But as far as my bird, I, I went out. I'd been going out in the evening times a little bit just to maybe to see if I can figure out where, like what exact tree maybe this bird's roosting in. And I did an evening hunt uh, the night prior, um, and I saw the bird out in the field. And so I went and got set up in an area where I knew if he was going to come onto the property and roost, because they like to roost on our property, but they fly down into a field that, that's not the property. So I got set up in there, and as soon as I got set up, I had some hens kind of coming around me, um, and I, I, f I knew that the gobbler wouldn't be too far behind. So I got set up. And sure enough, I see the gobbler, and he's just staying out in the field. Like, he's just staying out there. He's in full strut. Uh, he strutted around for probably a good 45 minutes out there in this field. I called to him a couple of times. He he gobbled once. It was more kind of – I, like, cut at him real hard, and I think it was more of kind of like just a shot gobble real quick. Like, he just let out a, a quick gobble and didn't even make an attempt to <laughs> come my way. He just kept <laughs> going back and forth, back and forth. Uh, it was funny because I even had some deer come out probably like 40 yards from me, and they were trying to work out into that field while he was strutting. And they all got out in the field, and they were like, what is this out here? Like th They were all looking weird at the gobbler, and heck, they ended all up spooking out of the field and running <laughs> right back into the woods um, from where they came from, which was all cool. Uh, actually, I saw a uh, bearded hen on that hunt. It was it was funny. It was, it was this hen, and she probably – it was probably like about a – I don't know, three or four inch beard, but it was the thickest beard I'd ever seen on a bird <laughs> in Florida. Like the thickest beard I'd ever seen. It was, I mean, almost the size of like your hand <laughs> thickness. It was crazy. It was so weird. It was just this thick, short beard just hanging off the front. And I contemplated, well, I actually, I couldn't shoot her because I actually contemplated shooting her because you can shoot anything bearded <laughs> in Florida, you can shoot. Yeah. And I was like, man, yeah. this would be just a unique bird <laughs> um, to take because just, just on the beard, just how, on how the beard looked alone. And she was around me, but she was just on the other side of the fence the entire time. She was just, just on the other side of the fence. And I'm like, well, if you come through here, if you walk through here, then, then maybe I got a decision to make because, I, I mean, you get two tags and I hadn't used any of them yet what and you've never shot a bearded hen <clears throat> um yeah correct so i was waiting for her because i knew that other bird i was like he's just gonna stay out there and strut and he may eventually come in but i 
it was kind of getting close to that time where you can't shoot anymore anyways, and he was still out there just strutting. So um, I waited for her, and of course, she stays on that side, and then she decides that she's going to pretty much roost uh, about five yards away from me in a tree. Like, she pitches up from that property and flies onto the property that I'm on and is roosting about five yards from me in a tree. (laughs) And she knew something was up because I'm pretty sure she could see me down there because she was just, I mean, she was purring a little bit, but she was also doing that pick, pick, pick (laughs) noise. And I'm like, I was like, I'm going to have to get up anyways. So uh, at that point I decided, okay, or actually right after that, I watched the gobbler and then he goes off and I see which he kind of goes to this point. Uh, that comes off of the fence line, and he works his way into those woods, probably about 100 yards away. So I'm like, okay, well, I know where he's roosted at pretty much uh, for in the morning. And my plan was to actually set up on on the opposite side of uh, fence line uh, for in the morning. But So I get up. The, the hen, that hen just blew off. I mean, she, she flew wherever she flew to <laughs> whenever I got up. <laughs> and so I had a game plan for the – so I'm like, okay, I got this game plan for the next morning. And – my game plan was I was going to use decoys. That that was going to be my game plan. That I had a I've got this big strutter uh, decoy, and I'm like, okay, there's a spot kind of in the fence that's pretty open, and I was like, well, I'm gonna have some hens out there and a strutter, um, pretty much about to mount a hen. That was that was my game plan. I was like, hopefully he flies down to where he kind of normally flies down, sees it. Makes him mad that there's this other gobbler in the area uh, trying to uh, breed some of his hens and hopefully get him to commit to come to fly over the fence line uh, right there. So that was the plan. Well, I get set up, get all my decoys set up, hear him gobble. I, I, I knew where he was at, and he gobbled a few times. He didn't gobble much that morning. He probably gobbled three or four times uh, on the roost and then ended up flying down. And I kind of gave him a little bit of, uh, once he kind of flew down, I gave him just a a couple little yelps just to kind of let him know, hey, there's some turkeys over here. Uh, You should probably come investigate. And I didn't know. I had seen some other hens in the area where I would left that night before. So I'm like, well, there is a chance that they could come walking past him and this hunt's going to be over anyways if he doesn't see my setup. Well, once I hear him on the ground, I realized that he's like on the far he's made it all already to the far fence line, like probably 400 yards away. And he's gobbling over there. So I decided, I was like, well, I'm just going to start cutting at him as hard as I can. Every time he gobbles, I'm going to try to cut him off every time he gobbles with just some hard cutting, just to, just to see if I can get his attention. So he, I hear him gobble, Cut super hard. Did you did you did you pick out any like specific call? Did, did you go to in that in that instance, or did do you think it mattered at all? Um, no. Um, I mean, I was using my mouth call, um, for it. So I was like, I'm just going to use my mouth call because I can cut pretty good with my mouth call. And I, I decided, hey, I'm going to just cut like crazy. And sure enough, he gobbles. Bam! I'm cutting him off. And then he gobbled again. I'm cutting him off gobbled again I, I started cutting him off and then all of a sudden I kind of noticed I was like hey that that gobble sounds closer and he gobbled to cut him off and then all of a sudden I can see where he's at across the field he's already cut like half the distance he's like at 200 yards and he's his head is on a swivel looking and I'm like okay I think this bird's coming in <laughs> so 
he runs a little bit more, probably another 50 yards he's looking. Um, I cut real hard. He gobbles. I cut him off again. And I know the fence is there. I'm like, okay, the fence is there. But I also knew that there, on this whole fence line, there's this one hole. And it's big enough for a turkey just to walk straight through. Even if he was in full strut or anything, he could just walk straight through it. There would be nothing to stop him from walking straight through the fence right there in that one particular spot. And I knew it was about 50 yards um, away from me. And sure enough, he keeps coming, and he's headed straight towards the fence line. Well, I'm actually faced the other way at this point. And I'm trying to get turned – I get turned around. And I actually – I had my action camera, and I had turned it on. But in the midst of getting turned around, I have a remote for my Tacticam. Well, I had it on the ground, and then when I got turned around, I couldn't reach it. And at that point, I'm super exposed. So I know I can't – I was like, I can't reach for it to get it turned on. And I knew I couldn't reach up towards the front of my gun (laughs) making a lot of motion either. So I'm like, well, I guess the Tacticam is going to be out for – for this one so I get spun around I was lucky enough to get spun around and I see him and he's headed straight for that hole in the fence he works through the hole and he he comes like a few pine rows in probably and I think I was in like the fourth pine row at that point these are some these are probably you're like 10 10 to 12 year old pines um, but it's super wide open in there. Like all of it's been sprayed. There's no understory, nothing. It's all just set up for people to come in and uh, rake up the pine straw. And I was like, well, as soon as he gives me a chance to shoot, I'm going to shoot because I was out in the open uh, at that point. And he just made his way through, got into about that fourth pine row. Um, I had recently got like a one of the True Glow um, red dot sights. And I put that, and I was actually, it was green or red, and I, I like the green better than I like the red. So I had it on green. As soon as he gave me a shot, um, I took it, hit the bird. He did his old flopping thing, and I got up, ran over there, and dead bird. Um, so I, I couldn't believe it because I was like, after last year and then – just knowing that it's just so difficult to get those birds to, to come across the fence. It finally kind of lined up where there was a hole in the fence uh, and the bird could come through it. And he actually came <laughs> uh, to my calling. So I don't know what happened with the hens or if they just weren't in the area or what. And he was just looking for love that morning. I, I don't think he ever saw my decoys. I'm pretty sure he he never once saw my uh, the decoys that I had uh, set up. Um, I did catch... A little bit of the action on the action cam, but when I was turned to take the shot, you pretty much all you can see you can see my face like looking down the looking um, through the scope there and kind of down the gun barrel, but you can't actually see the bird uh, in the frame uh, for the shot. But I was a little bummed out about that. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine, but I mean, it's not the end of the world, though. No, 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 it's not the end of the world. So uh, I got a little bit of it on camera. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you got the excitement for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the excitement. I got up. I ran towards the bird, and I mean, you see the bird flopping around and uh, all that good stuff. And he was actually a good bird. Um, I think he had oh about a ten and a half inch beard, uh, inch and a quarter spurs. The beard was super thick too. He he actually had a super thick beard. Um, normally they're a little bit more thin um, up here, but super thick brushy beard and uh, I was super excited uh, to get one laid down 
Shoot, yeah, dude. I mean, so what did you learn? What did this experience teach you? Oh, man, what did it teach me? Well, I finally got lucky. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, I mean, there's so many different techniques and tactics that you can use for a bird. And, I mean, I listen to other podcasts talking about all the tips and tactics that you can use for um, turkeys. And one of the ones that I had heard before is to just – Every time they gobble, just cut them off. Like, just start cutting them off as fast as you can. Have your call ready, and as soon as that gobble rings out, to just start cutting them off. And for some reason, sometimes that'll get them. It doesn't happen. It's just like anything else. It doesn't happen all the time. Um, Pretty much nothing surefire uh, in in the turkey woods. But that was just a tactic that I decided, hey, I'm going to try this one out today. Uh, and, And it was a tactic that worked. So it'll be a tactic uh, I try in the future if, I, if I'm if i pretty sure I think I got one that's kind of marginal on maybe coming in or not, um, I'm, I'm going to use that. So, But I learned, I mean, persistence pays off uh, eventually, like I said, about not shooting them across the fence. <laughs> I mean, last year I, there was so many chances of them, them coming up to 20, straight to the fence. I'm talking about – like almost to where they were like sticking their head through the fence, like trying to figure out, <laughs> okay, should I stay or should I go? Uh, but yeah, they always yeah. had hens with them. So I think that was the deciding factor for them of like, hey, I'm not coming over this fence. I've got f- five hens right here. But just just persistence, keeping after it, and uh, just being in the right spot for that day. I was just in the right spot, right place, right time. Bird was hot, and uh, it all worked out. So you just never know. Um, as a hunter, like, okay, that's why you keep going out. That's why I always keep going out because turkey hunting can be fickle like that. You can go out and not hear a gobble for two days. And then on the third day you go out there, they're going absolutely nuts. And you got a bird down within the first five minutes of the hunt. It just takes that one bird that's willing to die. You know, that one, that one bird that's willing to play the game and get after it. And, uh, you, you found that bird, dude. Yeah. I found him uh, that day. Yeah, I I think for me, I'm I'm, I'm surprised you didn't mention this when I asked the question, but I think for me one of the the noticeable things was that this year you did a lot of preseason scouting or more preseason scouting, which is something that last year you said you wish you'd done a little bit more of just so you kind of had a a beat on the birds, and it seems like that kind of has factored into your success this year. Yeah, yeah, the the preseason scouting and the in-season scouting Uh, because a lot of times I would just go out there in the evenings I try to get out there in the evening times, even if I'm not hunting, I'm just trying to figure out, okay, where are these birds at? Just to, just to put myself in the game the next day. <laughs> um, and I think that's kind of worked out a lot for me too, is, is doing that um, this season where I didn't do that as much last season either, but preseason scouting, I mean, that's always going to help. Um, <laughs> uh, just locating the birds. Um, I, there was a bird preseason that, I don't know where he went, <laughs> but two weeks before the season, or actually the week before, uh, it was actually the youth weekend, um, I went out there just to listen, and of course this bird's gobbling his head off in this one area, um, He and he has no hens, he's looking for hens, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this would be the perfect bird to <laughs> have a chance on, and then I went out the day before the season, he was still, he was in that area, and I think he actually had some hens at that point, but since then, I've yet, I've not seen that bird again in that field. So I don't, I don't know what happened to him. Um, I, I don't, as far as I know, he didn't get shot, but uh, there's always that possibility. I put in the effort 
for this one. Got them. Um, I'm hoping that I'm, I'm hoping my next bird is going to come off. I've been putting a lot of time in the public too. Um, the, the birds at the public have kind of been fickle. I mean, we've been getting on this one bird just because he's pretty much the only bird goblin, uh, over there. Um, been to a bunch of different areas, uh, talked to a bunch of other people that just the birds aren't gobbling that much this year for whatever reason it is over it's there. Weird. But this bird is, I mean, this bird gobbles his head off every day. I mean, hundreds of times, every single hunt. <laughs> so it's always fun. It's always fun because you always feel like you're in the game for hours uh, right. on this bird. He's just like, nah, I'm, I've got – I mean, he's got one girlfriend, and he is not willing to leave her <laughs> for anything. <laughs> so hopefully tomorrow morning uh, – uh, me and my buddy are going out tomorrow morning. Uh, we've got a plan for tomorrow morning, and uh, hopefully it works. Shoot, yeah, dude. I, I, I'm pulling for you. I know that you got some good footage of that turkey down in that bottom before, and yeah, it would be really cool to put all those hunts together and, and end it uh, with, with your buddy Mike. I mean, that, he's been on the podcast before. I'm, I'm assuming that's the guy that you'd be filming if you went with, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm going with Mike. Um, he didn't get to hunt turkey hunt last year because of COVID and having to watch his daughter and everything else. So he actually got a bird down opening day, but it was actually his, his neighbor's house. Um, but I, I really want him to get a second bird this year because he didn't get a chance to hunt at all last year, and turkey hunting's his passion uh, more so than deer hunting. Uh, so it'd be great to go in there tomorrow morning and uh, hopefully get it on film of him sh- uh, tagging out and shooting a second bird this year. Well, un- unlike that situation, I didn't have to work near as hard for my bird. Um, in fact, I, I kind of feel spoiled. Um, I-, I guess I'll start this off with, have you ever called a bird to you off the roost? Yes, I have. Um, I've done it a couple of times, actually. But And it's, I mean... It's fun to call them off the roost because the hunt's over <laughs> pretty yeah. fast. Um, yeah, yeah. And I've actually – I've been so close to birds before that actually they didn't gobble, um, but they actually – I had decoys set up 20 yards from me, and when they flew down, they were actually probably 10 yards away from me. I just didn't realize it. And I've had them fly oh, wow. down right on top of me, uh, right right off of uh, the rip uh, in the morning time and, and get shots on birds. But – yeah, most of the time it doesn't end up working that way for me, but I, I have had it happen. <laughs> I, I've called in a couple jakes before, kind of, like in the sense that I, I feel like I can say I called them in off the roost because they would fly down within like really close range of me, let's say 30, 40 yards. You know, it's very clear that they were pitching down to get to me. And so hunting public land in my little honey hole area, which uh, you, you can attest to, there's no birds there. Um what in this weekend? We get there that morning and real early, about six forty-five, bird fires off. Boom! Right on the roost, right after I hit the the, the alcohol, which is six forty-five is stupid early. I mean, that's that's ridiculously early. It's still very dark. Now, and, did and you it, hit the owl gobble or the owl hooter? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was hoping I'd escape this. Um, I hit the owl gobble. Okay. <laughs> so Pat for anybody Pindy. who's wondering. Yeah, patent pending. Yeah, for anybody who's wondering what that is, uh, the owl gobble is a uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like a trademarked. It's a copyrighted. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Oh my goodness. So uh, if you go and you listen to the to the YouTube video, guys, or watch the YouTube video, don't listen to it. Uh, you, you'll you'll hear me uh, mix up my words. And anybody who's a fan of the podcast knows that I get freaking amped about the outdoors. And so you can imagine that a dude who's already high strung as it is kills a bird. Uh, it's been a very long off season. I put in weeks of scouting, heard very little, you know, saw very little birds, heard very even fewer. And, uh, so for this to happen the way that it does, I'm like on cloud nine and I mix up, you know, gobble and owl and owl hoot. And so I end up on the video saying I hit the owl gobble and, uh, several people on, on Instagram have, have reposted that moment. But, um, but hit the owl gobble bird fires off in the bottom. I immediately know about where he's at. I mean, like within, let's say 50 yards, I know where this bird is. It happens to be at the time. I feel like he is right in the tree that I killed my first bird on. And so I knew my entry route through a pine thicket to get to him. And I immediately take advantage of the fact that it's dark. I've got a lot of tree cover between he and I, there's actually a lot of trees that hold their leaves between where he is and where I am. And so I know I can get really tight to the roost, which I guess if I could be so bold as to say is my MO, right? That's my big deal. Get them on the roost, get super, super tight. Um, doesn't work every time. I'm not a professional. I don't recommend it, but it does work out when you can get real, you know, some of the time, you know, what's, what's, what's the phrase? 68% of the time it works a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Something like, you that. know, something like that. So I hear this bird down in the bottom. I start cutting the distance pretty quick, trying to be as quiet as I can, but recognizing I got limited daylight bust down in this bottom. And about the time I'm thinking, okay, I need to get one more tree. I break a twig and the bird that I originally heard, which is in the tree or the very general vicinity of where I killed my first bird fires off. And then three others fire off in the bottom next to him. I'm like, Oh my God. And these birds sound like they're a hundred yards away. I mean, I am inside the wheelhouse. The, the first bird's like 75 yards away. The others are about a hundred yards away. And so I immediately start scrambling to find a tree set up, get the camera going, get the second angle going, get the tactic cam going all this like obnoxious camera equipment. It sounds like it's really not that difficult, but get it all set up. And start doing some soft tree yelps. And my, my, my MO on this, for people who are looking for the strategy behind what we do, my MO was, it's early, I haven't made a whole lot of noise, I'm going to, uh, you know, if these birds are firing off like this, there's a chance they're separated from hens, I'm going to try and imitate a hen flying down to this spot, and hopefully those birds, if there aren't hens closer, they'll come, you know, come check me out first or get kind of close to me. And I'm kind of in this little bit of a bowl, it's a rare topographical feature, um, for, for this part of Florida, but I'm kind of in this little bowl and I'm looking over the ledge going down into the bowl where the birds have to come up out of the bowl to see me. And I do some real soft tree yelps, little, little, you know, little clucks, soft tree yelps, very, very sparingly little purrs. And then I get a little more animated with my, with my clucks, cluck, 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 cluck. And then immediately grab my wing that I've got from last year and, and do my fly down sequence to my right. And the birds all fire off to that. Bow, bow, bow. Okay, they're interested. Well, at this point, I chose just to really be as quiet as possible. I really wanted to show a disinterest in them. But periodically, maybe every four or five times they would gobble, I would do a real soft purring, clucking, real soft yelping. I would scratch the leaves next to me just to just sound like a, a hen that doesn't care about them. And before too much longer, a couple of the birds sound like they're on the ground they're a little more muffled and my thermocell dies, dude, for like the third time. This is part of the story I left out. So like two times before that, my thermocell would just cut out. I've never had an issue with it before, but for some reason this day, it wouldn't quit dying. And when I hear those birds down in the bottom, I just assumed all of them were in the bottom. 
And so I, I knew I've got this, I know I've got this little rise where the birds can't see me. And so I reach, I got my, my right hand on my gun on my left knee. If you guys are trying to picture this, watch the video, it'll make sense. I reach over, grab the thermocell, click it on, and put it on my other side of my body, my left side of my body, which is getting destroyed by mosquitoes, just destroyed. And as I let, as I set down that thermosel, I catch movement out of my right eye and swooping through the swamp directly from the tree he was on comes the gobbler. Joker lands 10, 12 yards to my right on the other side of some bushes. Thank God on the other side of some bushes. And the Joker just immediately just starts looking around. At this point, I, I, I'm like, you know, screwed. My gun's facing the wrong direction. It had actually fallen off my knee a little bit, and I've got nothing to really brace it against. So the tip of the barrel is kind of moving more than I want it to. I can't control my breathing at this point. I've got a bird, you know, 10 yards to my right I wasn't expecting. Adrenaline rush, dude, I'm a mess, okay? I'm just like not in a good mind space. And at this point, I recognize the bird's catching a little bit of the movement. And as he's kind of walking away, he's not really like concerned, but he's like, this something doesn't make sense about this. As he starts to move through the brushes, he goes behind a couple of saplings and I try and move to where I can see the, you know, swing, get a shot of the bird. Bird catches that movement. But to my luck, to my fortune, he runs away from me about 10 yards, stops and turns around because again, I don't think he was completely convinced of what he saw. And that was his detriment. I swung the barrel over, and the moment that the barrel hit the base of the neck, I, I, I hammered the trigger, dude. Not even going to lie to anybody. Hammered the trigger, slapped that trigger, body shot this joker, killed him stone cold dead. First bird, done of the year. It, it felt so good to get that monkey off the back because th- literally the three weeks before the opener of the season, I had been scouting, and I told you, even on the Youth Weekend, which is on the Youth Channel, on the YouTube channel, one morning, one morning I've heard gobbling outside of that other morning. It's been dead around here, dude. That opportunity was unreal. Yeah, yeah, I, I can attest. I mean, when I was up there, we didn't hear the first gobble. <laughs> but yeah. we also had bad weather. Uh, I was about to say. Everything else. It wasn't ideal. <laughs> it wasn't ideal conditions uh, no. for that weekend. Uh, well, did, did you learn anything on this particular hunt? Something that you can use in the future? Uh, you know, I've thought about this a lot, and and. I think the only thing I could have done differently um, would have been just to, to heavy, heavily dose myself in bug spray. I mean, I know that sounds like really that sounds really silly, right? But I mean, there I feel like I did most of what I needed to to have killed those birds. Clearly, I killed one in the end. I think in hindsight, what I should have done, and and I should have learned this lesson the first time um, about positioning on the tree. So, flash forward to the weekend before or flashback rather to the weekend before I had that bird come into the right silent and um, I didn't position myself in a a way that I could cover, you know, a large enough or the the predominant direction that the bird could come from. And sure enough to my disadvantage on, on the following hunt or weekend, whatever the bird landed to my right side, which I was very weak. Like I had to bring my, I had to bring it the, the gun cross body to get the shot. And so I think what I'm kind of figuring out is if I have a general direction, let's say it's like 100 degrees of my circle that I expect those birds to come in, maybe not 180 because you can't cover that much, favoring the far right portion of that allow it's much easier to like move your knee to the left and still have a brace and get a shot with a little bit of motion. But if you have to bring your gun off your knee and cross your body, you don't have the brace, you don't have the you know, the ability to hold real steady, it's uncomfortable. I think my positioning on the tree, like my actual setups need to improve. Um, I do you have any feedback for me on that or any, any thoughts? 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough since considering he flew down right to where um, – to an area where you probably were – sound, it sounds like you weren't expecting him to fly down to to be able to make that turn. Um, sounds like – or you could have just been – you're probably set up for those other birds, right? I mean, because you heard them other birds gobbling. That's true. Uh, That's true. He wasn't even a factor in your mind <laughs> uh, until he flew down and hit the ground. So that's that's always hard. Um, it's not like you were trying. It's not like you were set up uh, in the dark and or something like that. And you were like, okay, I know for a fact that they're going to come from this way or something. With with him, you didn't really know uh, he he was going to come that way. So that one's that one's difficult and. You were just fortunate enough to be able to get a shot off on them. You're you're right because the birds most likely wouldn't have like it, you know flown down and then took the long path all the way around my right. Maybe there would have been a bird that came from my right, but logic says they would have flown down, you know, somewhere onto the mid side of that of that rise and come up the rise. And if that was the case, I would have had that area very well covered. So, um, you know, I, I'm not certain exactly what I would do differently. Um, in, in that scenario, I mean, this might just be turkey hunting. You know, sometimes they come from the direction you're not expecting them to. Sometimes they come in quiet. Maybe that just chalks it up. Um, it it kind of felt like this was a textbook hunt. I know it's not going to happen this easy again. <laughs> so I, I savor that that it that it happened the way that it did. Um, but uh, dude, it, the the hunting afterwards has been tough. It has been. If if I didn't love turkey hunting as much as I did, I could see why some people would find it hard to get into turkey hunting because if you were a new hunter right now and you didn't have a mentor, you didn't have somebody to take you out. And if your first experiences weren't positive, if they were as dead as they are right now, dude, I don't even know if I would be hunting that bottom, right? Like you, you could throw three or four hunts at that bottom, have not heard anything been like, okay, well, there's no birds here. Yeah. Or they've been shot. I mean, there's stints in turkey hunting where there's going to be the ebbs and flows, right? We always talk about ebbs and flows of everything. And, uh, I mean, heck, I've had seasons where the birds just didn't want to gobble. Like you were begging for a, a courtesy gobble is what I call it. It's like, just give me a courtesy gobble. <laughs> <laughs> All I want is one courtesy gobble. That's what I was begging for on Friday. Just give me one courtesy gobble. Uh, so, it, But then I've had the last couple of seasons, even though, I mean, last year I struggled some. They were gobbling all the time. Like, it's not that you didn't know where they were. It was just maybe some other facts. So there's always going to be some type of factor that um, may, may cause you from not being able to shoot a bird. But when they're not gobbling, it definitely gets uh, more discouraging uh, than any, anything else. But if, if you're new and you have a mentor, they're going to let you know that. But if not, you're going to be like, man, this turkey hunting ain't all it's cracked up to be. I don't know why anybody likes turkey hunting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure and I, I think maybe that's a word maybe a word of caution for people if you're listening to the podcast you're, you're getting into turkey hunting you've had a a rough go of it um even when i look at so last year it was remarkable how much they were talking even when i go back and look at my journals i remember last season as a, a season where they were always talking there were days where it was like no gobbles one gobble two gobbles, no gobbles. I mean, there were plenty of hunts involved where there wasn't a whole lot of activity. So don't let that get you down. Get out there and, and, and here, here's, here's the upshot. You can't hear them from the couch. <laughs> Jace, you, you said that this weekend when I was like, oh man, what do you want to do? It's going to rain a lot. And you're like, dude, this is the time we've got to hunt. This is the only weekend where our, our schedules align. It's time to suck it up and deal with the rain. Yeah. And, you know, we, we got out there and we did it. Yeah, we, I mean, we didn't hear any gobbles, but 
I mean, if by watching the YouTube video, we did get on some birds. I mean, it took a lot of effort <laughs> to get on these birds. And we put, like both I mentioned, I was like, I've never turkey hunted that much in one day, uh, ever. So it, it was just a good test. It was a good test and just, uh, just to keep pushing, uh, a lot of miles on the ground. Uh, I probably put more miles on that day than I have probably for the most of the season since I got the e-bike now, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you definitely got to, you got to, uh, I think that, I think those e-bike miles actually subtract from your total mileage walked. If, if, if I uh, understand. It probably correctly. does. I'm in the negative still. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I haven't walked a single mile oh. this year, but yeah, yeah, yeah it was, uh, it, it, but still this past weekend was a great weekend. I mean, you and I got to hunt together. Uh, we, we still, we still had some encounters. We thought we were in the game a couple of different times and really that's all you can ask for, especially with the uh, conditions, uh, that we were given. And we still have a couple of weeks left of the Florida season anyways, to get it done. So now's the time we kind of, I got to kind of buckle down and, uh, make it happen. Yeah. And there's still the opportunity. There's still the chance that you and I get to get to hunt. You know, Georgia season gives us a couple extra weeks. You don't necessarily have a Georgia tag, but maybe we'll get together and do some filming. Um, you know, it's also going to be fishing season. Fishing's coming up. Uh, but, uh, uh speaking of fishing, you know, we need to announce something. Yeah, dude. Good, good job. You, you, I was going to just plum forget that again. So the Yakin for Bass Challenge is on this year. Uh, we've had a lot of people asking questions. Normally we hype this up more than we have this year, and that's on me, guys. I've had a lot going on with the kid on the way. Uh, work has got me busy. Editing all of Chase's kills has had me busy. It's just it's been a it's been a busy season. But uh, you know the the good news is it is on the third annual Yakin for Bass Challenge will occur from May fifteenth to June fifteenth this year. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with that, the Yakin for Bass Challenge is a way uh, to raise money for conservation. We don't make a dime off this. It is truly a fundraising event, and uh, we, we will dedicate a whole little bonus podcast like we do every year to the details of that, how to enter. Uh, here's the upshot. It's your five best bass measured and, and submitted on an app on your phone from a from a paddle sport you can use a paddle board paddle uh, a kayak a canoe uh, no motors no no combustion motors no bank fishing but uh, it's 25 dollars to enter five of that goes to the app for hosting it the remainder of that goes to a prize and to conservation and we get to raise a couple hundred dollars every year to uh, different organizations so uh, I'm happy to announce that that is still on for this year. My involvement will just probably be relegated to uh, fishing or uh, judging the fish. I'll live vicariously through you guys, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. I'm excited to keep that thing going. There was some uncertainty there for a while, but uh, it's on, dude. And uh, you have got to retain being uh, champion of the creator, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a difficult task this uh, coming up uh, year. Uh, we added some new creators to the mix. Uh, for uh, this this year's event, so I'm looking forward to uh, competing against uh, some of those guys. Uh, Adam Glass, who was the winner of last year's Jacking for Bass Challenge, uh, has decided that he wants to be a, on the creator side, uh, which is probably good for a lot of y'all because that means he can't win the uh, actual <laughs> challenge <laughs> yeah. or the prize. Yeah. Uh, but I fished with him several times last year. It was always good. Uh, he ended up uh, beat me in the end, but uh, the couple of times I did fish with him, I uh, was uh, uh, definitely uh, outfished him. Uh, sorry, Adam, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I look forward to the Yakin for Bass Challenge. 
Uh, I mean, part of that's on me. Uh, I've been busy trying to finish up this degree. I I told you today, it's officially I'm working on my last paper ever for (laughs) uh, this degree. Uh, So I'll have a lot more time to devote to the podcast and uh, a lot of the things that we do. So I'm really uh, looking forward to that. And I'll be able to get out in the woods a lot more as well. So uh, a lot of good things coming. Oh, yeah, dude. We got a bunch of stuff coming. But, uh, dude, congratulations for getting done with your degree. That has been something you've been grinding out for quite some time. And the good news for all you guys is, and this is truly good news, now that Chase is done with his 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 degree, he told me a year and a half ago, and I told you guys on the on the podcast back then that when Chase was done with his degree, he was going to go full time taking the camera with him everywhere he goes. And so, uh, you you get to see more of Chase's face on the YouTube channel, not my ugly mug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna try, man. I'm gonna do my best uh, to get stuff on camera. I mean, I can't make a hundred percent promises. <laughs> the camera's always going to be with me, but I would like, I mean, I like doing, I like, I mean, I like the filming others. I mean, I like going out and uh, being able to, uh, to film my buddy or to go out to film you. I mean, you and I had that moment where you were filming me and then all of a sudden we made a split second decision <laughs> that I was going to be on camera yeah. and you were going to be pulling the trigger. Yeah. So, uh, but it worked great. I mean, it was just a smooth transition. We both know what was going on. Like, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Walter's going to be on the gun for this one. And, uh, we made it work. So, uh, it is a fun dynamic when you got the camera, you get to go back and look at, uh, some of the stuff that happened and, uh, you got, if you got the strutting bird that was strutting 90 yards away from you for an hour, you can go back and look and go, uh, yep, yep. Uh, that was him. Uh, and, uh, relive the moments. Like you always like to say, you can go back and relive that moment forever. So uh, I do enjoy that. And, uh, I definitely plan on trying to, uh, film a lot more. And I, most of it kind of was the editing part of it. I mean, when you're that busy, you, after you film it, you got to sure, go back and sure. edit everything. So I just wanted to have the more the more free time and flexibility to be able to edit stuff and be able to get it posted out for everybody. Yeah, man, I, I was just giving you hell. I, everybody knows that. I mean, you're you're a busy dude. The the editing, especially with with creators like you and I, we we really want it to be worth your time, and uh, that requires you having to invest in the editing and the and the, the the filters and everything that comes with that. There's a lot of work, guys. I mean, it's not just you know you don't just point the camera hit record and hope it turns out um and so uh, i i'm i'm only kidding i know i know you'll take the camera when whenever it's you know it fits into what you're doing sometimes it's raining sometimes it's not a good day to take it but uh it, it'll be good and honestly i am after looking at that footage from from this this past weekend i am really looking forward to doing more hunts with you because the dynamic dude was just it was awesome it's always a more richer dynamic a more richer it's always a richer dynamic uh whenever you've got two people there turkey hunting is one of those fun things to do with a person anyways yeah yeah it's fun just to bounce ideas off of each other you're like oh what do you think we should do uh, what do you mm-hmm. i don't know man what do you think we should do and then somebody makes a decision they're like okay sounds good like because <laughs> i mean it's just <laughs> yeah. one of those things where it's like yeah. uh you could do a million things, so might as well just, all right, we're going to try this and on to the next, see what happens. If you fail, right. well, you move on to the next one. That's right. <laughs> and then you got somebody to laugh at or uh, whatever. With. <laughs> laugh or at with. or with. <laughs> yeah, like when somebody drives down a power line and spooks off the only Tom, the, you know, a redheaded Tom coming down the power line to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all, that's all part of it, man. Oh, man. Well, dude, we said we were going to keep this short. Here we are at uh, 55 minutes. So, as always, I have failed to uh, 
to uh, <laughs> follow through on my promise. The only thing that we do consistently around here is bring you episodes every Tuesday. Chase, dude, thanks for coming up and hunting with me the other day, man. I had an absolute blast. I can't wait to do it again. And uh, I hope you go go respool those fishing rods because it's almost fishing season, dude. You got you got to hold it down for Team Chase and Tails. Yeah, you're right. I do. Uh, you're still got some time that you'll be able to fish. So, yep. Uh, maybe you can make something happen in those uh, couple of weeks before the baby gets here. I have to burn that midnight oil. Maybe, maybe we can deploy our secret weapon up in Thomasville and uh, you know jump out to an early lead. Yeah, that's that's the plan. Get a lead early, and <laughs> never look back. That's right. That's right. Hey, hit, 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 land those five 20 inch uh, bass and just uh, drink beer the rest of the, the tournament. <laughs> yeah. And don't post them to the very end. <laughs> no. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Sandbag truck. <laughs> All right, guys. So that's it for this episode. No matter what you do, do me a favor get outside and enjoy the great outdoors. The weather is awesome. It's spring. There's so much to do. Don't let it get past you. Until next time, we'll see you later.